Sermon Series this week focusing on leadership and what we can learn from people in Scripture about being leaders. This follows the logical conclusion of the Sermon Series that we have been in since um, Lent. <laughs> I can only think Advent because we'll start a new church year with Advent at the end of November and this sermon series will take us there. We started by talking about how life often breaks us and leaves us feeling like broken and useless pieces of glass, but that God still sees us as beautiful even in our brokenness, but God also brings about healing and putting us back together. And so when God heals us, then we are freed to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit to things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control that we exhibit because of the Holy Spirit living through us. Together, we can then be the model church. That was our next sermon series. Together, what does it look like? What does the book of Acts teach us about the model church? And then we looked at growing as a disciple because God needs mature disciples. Um, the church cannot just be full of infants and kindergartners. We need mature people who walk with God, who walk in the Spirit, so that God can accomplish God's mission through us. And so to do that, we need to emerge as leaders who can then turn around and make more disciples and help raise them up to faithfulness. Our example today is going to come from the book of First Kings, chapter 12. We're talking about a gentleman named Rehoboam. I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but I'm going to read enough for you to get a sense of the story. First Kings, chapter 12. The people sent and called for Jeroboam who along with the entire Israelite assembly went and said to Rehoboam, your father made our workload very hard for us. If you will lessen the demands your father made of us and lighten the heavy workload he demanded from us, then we will serve you. Then the king answered the people harshly. He ignored the elders' advice and instead followed the young people's advice. And he said, my father made your workload heavy. I'll make it even heavier. When all Israel saw that the king wouldn't listen to them, the people answered the king, Why should we care about David? We have no stake in Jesse's son. Go back to your homes, Israel. You look, you better look after your own house now, David. Then the Israelites went back to their homes, and Rehoboam ruled over only the Israelites who lived in the cities of Judah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask for your presence to be with us, both for those who are here in Martha's Chapel, for those who are with us live online, and those who will worship with this later. May we feel your presence and your peace as you open your word and show us more of who you are and who you have called us to be. This we ask in the name of Christ. Amen. So this, today we're looking at choosing our counselors carefully. Like who do we listen to? How do we choose those people whose advice we put weight in? Now we have to back up a little bit and have the story of the Israelites that bring us to here. Once they had escaped from Egypt in um, and slavery there, they were led first by Moses and then by Joshua to take the promised land. Then they were led by judges. God spoke to the judges and the judges led the people, but they decided they wanted a king. 
like everyone else. They didn't want to be the different and unique nation that God had called them to be. They wanted to be like everyone else, and they wanted a king. And so God said, okay, I'll let them have a king. At the time, the prophet, the dominant prophet was Samuel. And Samuel said to them, you're going to regret having a king. Because let me tell you what kings are eventually going to do. They're going to tax you so that they can live their lifestyle. They're going to take from your crops and your herds and what you have to make themselves more comfortable. They're going to conscript your sons into the military and fight battles with them. They're going to take your daughters and make them wives and concubines. You're going to be unhappy at what happens with a king. But they said, no, no, give us a king. So they had Saul. Saul's kingdom did not go very well. And so then we had David and David's son Solomon. So by the time we get to the third king, Solomon has become almost like a pharaoh of Egypt to them because he does all those things that Samuel said a king would do. Now they experienced great riches and triumph, but he was very hard on the people. So when he dies and his son Rehoboam is chosen to to follow him, the people come and say, hey, look, your dad was pretty hard. Do you think we could revisit these requirements? Like, could you loosen up on us a little bit? Rehoboam goes to his dad's advisors, to the older experienced gentleman who had advised his dad and said, what do you think about what they're saying? And the older advisor said, hmm, here's a good opportunity to solidify their support of you. Ease their burden. Back off of it a little bit. Give them a little bit of a break. It will make them loyal to you. You have a chance to really rally the people behind you. But then Rehoboam also talked to his friends, people his age, and they went, ha, that's not how this works. People don't tell the king what to do. The king tells the people what to do. If they want to whine about it, I'd make it worse. I'd give, they want to cry about something. I'd give them something to cry about. My mother used to say that to me when she'd spank me. She'd let me cry for two or three minutes, and she's like, you're going to keep crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. That was the advice of the younger men to Rehoboam. And Rehoboam chose to listen to the younger people, and he goes back to them after three days of consulting and says, I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to give you a harder burden. And we heard how they all went home. What we might not have caught in there is that Rehoboam then becomes the ruler only of the Israelites who lived in the city of Judah. The kingdom split over this. Ten ten of the twelve tribes of Israel anointed Jeroboam their king, and they became the nation of Israel. And Rehoboam rules only over Judah and a remnant tribe of Benjamin. They're surrounded locally around Jerusalem. So Rehoboam's choice in this moment of who to listen to resulted in a split of the country of Israel. The called people of God became splintered and they will remain so until each of those nations is independently destroyed and carried off into captivity. First to Babylon and then to Assyria. So Rehoboam's choice of counselors made an incredible impact on his future. He did not choose well and the results were disastrous. 
So what does that say for us and what can we learn? First of all, that who we choose to listen to, the voices we choose to listen to, become incredibly important. Who will we listen to? Because the advice is never the same. Ask 10 people something, get anywhere from 5 to 10 different opinions and advice on what to do. Choose your counselors wisely. But I need to say that what made the older advisors better advisors to Rehoboam was not their age. It was their experience and their perspective. Those older advisors had been advising King Solomon. They would have watched how the people reacted to the rules that Solomon made. How did they push back? How were they unhappy? How did they feel cared for or reigned over in a benevolent way? How did they feel led well? And so their advice to Rehoboam came from a place of, look, we saw what happened under your dad. Here's our advice to you for how this could go well for you. The younger folks had no none of that kind of experience. They could not see the larger picture. They couldn't understand the country's perspective, how they had been shaped and formed by the events they had experienced under David and Solomon and the courage that it took to come to a king and say, please change how things have been. It is not their age because we talked about in the discipleship series that we just have that some people can be fairly young in chronological age and enormously mature in their spiritual faith, either because they've walked through a lot of difficulty and learned to depend on God or because they have dove into the scriptures or because they have chosen to closely align with Christ and let the Holy Spirit reign in their lives. They can seem like a young adult and be incredibly spiritually mature, the flip side of that is that you can have great chronological age and never really have matured spiritually. It's possible to be 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and still be an infant, a toddler, or an adolescent when it comes to our spiritual development. We need to find those counselors who see the larger picture who have a heart for the people, for what they've been through, for how they need God, for how they need Jesus. We're talking about our church and the voices we listen to. Who wants to see us reach the world for Christ? Who wants to see us mature the people that God has entrusted to our care? When you're looking for that in your own life, choose the people who have some life experience. I remember when my children were very young and I thought I knew everything about parenting because apparently we get a supernatural download as soon as we begin to have children and we know everything about parenting. And then that child arrives and we learned we didn't know anything about parenting and no amount of reading the books is going to fix it all. I was one of those people, we were not going to eat food in the grocery store. We were going to buy our food before we ate it. And then I ended up with two boys, 22 months apart, an infant and a toddler, both in the buggy trying to, we ate more animal crackers and grapes than I can admit. I'd show up at the checkout line and just go, just double that grapes because we've eaten at least that much in there. Because the getting through was very different. So we want to see those people who have the vision, who have the experience, 
and we want to choose the voices that we listen to carefully. The other side of that is that God is calling us to grow and mature, to become fully mature disciples in Jesus Christ, and you are needed to help lead. Who are you advising? Who are you taking under your wing? Who are you bringing along beside you in your role in the church, in the places that you serve, and in your life? Who are you raising up, mentoring, and being a good word of advice about? I've said before that every one of us should have someone who is maturing us, someone who is mentoring us, who is is advising us, but we too should all be mentoring someone else. There is someone else who is not quite as far along in the faith as we are, and we can encourage them and we can help them. It doesn't have to be a formal kind of arrangement. It can be casual conversations, the people you choose to sit with at Wednesday night dinner, the people you tend to hang around and talk with after worship, someone you might invite to have coffee with you or to come join your Sunday school class or your choir or the handbells or to help teach in a children's class or a youth program. There are all ways that we can continue to grow while we help others grow, that's part of God's leadership. And we need to choose our counselors carefully.